This is Carl the Cobra Frutch, and you're watching Lights Out. One of Britain's greatest ever fighters of all time adds yet another monumental moment to her career. We'll be asking the boxing fans, should Katie Taylor now be considered the greatest female fighter of all time? Jamal Charlo returned to the ring during the weekend after 29 months out of action. We'll be discussing what was the reason behind him not being active, and we'll be discussing what he does in going forward. Also, a monster of a performance from David Benavidez last night as he absolutely demolished his former two-weight world champion, Demetrius Andrade. It's the next fight to make Benavidez versus Canelo. This is Lights Out. I am Fessel Khan, and this is Podcast 67 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. With me, as always, delighted to be joined by my right-hand man, Mr. Mosin Gulchir, a.k.a. Ron. Ron, thank you very much for joining us once again. How have you been, my man? And how's your weekend been? Very good, thank you. Looking forward to this uh, this next edition of this pod. Yeah, um, obviously, before we, we do get started and jump into the podcast, just want to remind the viewers that if they haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and turn on the bell for more Lights Out Boxing content. And if you want to check us out on all the social media platforms, below in the description are our links to our social media platforms. And once again, don't forget, we're proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. So if you have any representation in the courtroom, make sure you check out Spartans Law website, which again is below in the description. Um, we're mixing it up today. Of course, with every podcast, we like to start off with a quick fire question. But today I've left a quick fire question to my man, Ron. Now, Ron, I didn't ask you to send me the quick fire question. I'm coming into the sort of the deep end here. I don't know what the quick fire question is. I haven't had time to prepare, so the floor is all yours, my man. Okay. Uh, I've thought long and hard about this, and I think the question that I want to ask you um, is, what is your most memorable boxing corner moment? You know, in between rounds, when they go, when a fighter goes back, talk to his talks to his head trainer, because you know, boxing is such an individual pursuit, right? It's just you in the ring. Football, any other sports, they're like a team sport. You know, you've got other men there or women on the field who you could turn to. Boxing, you've just got your trainer who is kind of like a your guardian angel, kind of is kind of going to give you advice on how to kind of go about it. It could be, it's pretty manic because you're in between rounds. You might have had, you know, might have gone down in the round or behind on points. Uh, so boxing and any you know these combat sports that that what is it one minute that you have is crucial so thinking back to all the memorable moments all the fight, great fights that we've seen you know what's been your most memorable kind of moment there within you know with the trainers and the and the fighters all um rocky five the duke the final now i'm only joking um do you know what ron you I've, I, someone's asked me that question before and I've asked that question tons of times and a lot of people usually say, oh, it's got to be the Luis Castillo fight. But I'm going to sort of not give that answer because the answer I've got is pretty unexpected. I remember when um, Lamont Peterson fought Amir Khan and um, I believe it was just a few rounds before the end of the fight. I remember watching that fight. I think it was only about 17, 18 at the time. 
And, you know, usually when um, when a, a trainer's giving his fighter some advice, it's, you know, it's about tactics or, you know, what he's got to do to improve. But I remember, like, I can't remember who the trainer was, but I just remember how brutal the guy was with Lamar Peterson. Like, he was saying stuff like, oh, you was born on the streets. You know, your ass belongs to me. You know, this is in your backyard. And, you know, he's embarrassing you in front of your home fans. You know, he's going to go back to living a rich life. You're going to go back to being just a another on the, another bum on the streets. And I just remember watching that fight and I thought to myself, fucking hell, like, whether you want to see that as inspiring or as a wake-up call, you know, is a different story. But I, I've, I've got to go with that moment because wow, okay, I've never, ever heard someone speak to their fighter like that. But in hindsight, you look at it, it worked. I mean, you know, that was a very controversial fight as well but he got the job done but i think what six months down the line he failed a drugs test but yeah for me that's got to be probably the yeah. most eye-catching moment of a trainer in the corner of his fight art that i've seen in my lifetime what about you i mean it's a very fine line with what a trainer says to his you know his fight in that one minute obviously he doesn't want to get him over aroused because you know he's got to keep him calm He's got to keep instructions very clear and not give up too much information as well. Uh, excellent. You know, some, I love um, Ben Davidson, you know, kind of listening to him in the corner. He's, he's very demanding. He controls the situation. He calms his fighter down. Um, you know, he's been with, you know, he's training a lot of great fighters at the moment. Uh, one for me that comes to my mind is uh, I love Teddy Atlas. Um, you know, great boxing podcast. Great. Uh, insight into boxing and you know he is Mr. Boxing isn't he you know I don't know if you would agree and it was uh, he was in the corner of uh, Povetkin yeah. and Povetkin was fighting Chagayev I think it was and in the interesting thing was obviously Povetkin's English isn't great so he was doing it through a translator and it was I mean I didn't hear much kind of boxing instructions about keeping him on the jab or keep your distance you know, what happened was Povetkin kind of started off really well and he was kind of, you know, the next three rounds went to the, uh, the you know, the other fighter. And it was a very inspirational kind of speech that he was giving to him. He's like, look, how long left? It's 18 more minutes. Give me the best 18 minutes of your life. This is your time. Uh, and, you know, clearly the tide was not turning for him. I think what turned it for him, it was kind of, he had to get very emotional and said, you know, his dad, you know, Povetkin had lost his dad, you know, do do this for your dad and, you know, make your dad proud. And, you know, when people will think of you, you know, that kind of moment, it was like a very rocky moment. Uh, and, you know, and uh, Povetkin did go on to winning that title as well. So, I mean, Teddy Atlas is a very animated character uh, in, yeah. in a, at the ring. So there's been some really other interesting moments. I think the one that caught me recently was... I think Crawford versus Port Sean Porter. Did you hear what uh, they said in the, like, the ninth or the tenth round? That you're behind said, and you need to knock him out or something like that. <laughs> Wait, which is which is exactly what he did. Uh, there's the other one. I, I mean, like these are little comments I hear where I think it was Pacquiao was fighting. Oh God, he he was fighting De La Hoya. I think it was. He's like he's too. You know, they did they did the Spanish translation. He's like he's too quick for you. He's too good. He's too good. And that fight obviously ended up uh, kind of going against uh, Deloya, but there's been some manic, chaotic moments as well <laughs> in the ring. I mean, I've seen boxers being slapped by their trainers, like "What are you doing? Wake up!" <laughs> um, or there's a one I saw recently where the guy said, "Go Mike Tyson, baby, go Mike Tyson," and 
you know, just and he, and he ended up finishing the guy. So I think that's a very crucial moment. Um, you know, you know, th this is a do or die moment. You know, you've got to either inspire your fighter who's probably on it, gas on it, is on empty, or you've got to give him tactical analysis. You could use that one minute wisely. So. I mean, I don't know how much I I'd love to ask a fighter, how much do they actually take that on board? You know, you know how much do they remember when they go back into that ring again um, in between rounds? Well, I can tell you right now, this Chris Eubank Jr. doesn't really take much on board. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I actually enjoyed that question because you, you know, kind of put me on the spot there. I think next week you're going to be the guy that does the, the <laughs> quick fire questions and we'll, we'll sort well, of like run, in, run into the lines then with you not let me know what the question is until we start recording the podcast but yeah uh love to get the fans involved in that question um there's been some great moments man a lot of people say uh Luis castillo was you know what was it round nine um you know i remember um fury wilder free when sugar hill was just completely going at the guy oh you need to jab the motherfucker you know you get in the motherfucker's face you know and listen there's some we've got some very um emotional trainers in this sport i mean you you see him on TV and they're doing interviews and you speak to him and then you see him when they're at work. I mean, I remember um, uh, the Fury Wilder one fight, you know, you said something about Ben Davison. That there's a clip of him on YouTube having an argument, I believe it's with one of the judges. Yes, yes. Just... Ran. So, you know, listen, they're under a lot of pressure, man. You know, they're constantly concentrating on the fight. You know, if you think about it, their game plan is more or less the reason why they fight a winner loses the fight. But a very good point, very good question, Ron. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Um, uh, we'll move on. We've got a lot to talk about. And we start off with what went down last night in uh, Dublin, Ireland. As Katie Taylor become a two-weight undisputed world champion by defeating Chantel Cameron in the rematch via majority decision. Um, firstly, massive congratulations to Katie Taylor. Uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. I know every time we've done a podcast and I've always spoken about, I've always said that she gets yeah. a lot of decisions going her way. But listen, I'm not a boxing judge. I'm, I'm going to give my opinion, but... At the same time, I'm going to give credit where it's due. I thought she'd done enough to win the fight last night. Um, and I, you know, I, I thought her performance was a lot better. She raised her game. She stepped up the, she stepped up, uh, the tempo in the second fight. You know, a lot of people are asking the question, you know, should she be considered as the greatest female fighter of all time? I think she's the greatest UK women's fighter of all time, but greatest female fighter of all time, that's something we'll come on to in a bit. Um, Ron, thoughts on her performance? Uh, did you have her winning that fight? Did you believe that she did enough last night? Uh, yes, I was. I'm totally in agreement with what you said. Fought a better fight. Uh, wasn't on the receiving end of a lot of unnecessary punches, which we've seen, where you know she's just fighting too much gung ho. I think it was a lot of a the it was a measured approach. You know, she was kind of letting Chantel Cameron come to her and countering those kind of when when Chantel Cameron was trying to go for it for an opening but I think she gave a good account of herself I mean it was a great fight for women's boxing for for as well we've got to give credit to uh, Chantel Cameron you know de defeating someone a uh, quote like um uh Katie Taylor you know gave her her first defeat uh and you know on the back of that after that fight could we see a, a trilogy you know um I mean that was being spoken up about uh, at Croke Park and Eddie Hearns, you know, being the promoter that he is. What you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think is the next step for Katie after this uh, performance? Well, 
Well, I, I want to discuss uh, the fight a bit. Um, obviously, yeah. we'll talk about what's next for her because that's a huge question. Because she's thirty-seven years of age, but she's mm. still got, I believe, another two big fights left in her. Um, as I said, you know, she fought a lot better than she did in the first fight. You know, she kept the fight more into the in the middle of the ring. Mm. You know, she was on the front foot a lot. Um, and I believe she finished the fight a lot stronger. However, I believe there's a massive controversial moment in the fight. Yes, we can, I completely, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The knockout in the first round, which was ruled out. Um, you know, look, I'm a firm believer of, you know, of being sort of in the driving seat of being, you know, having the, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, you know, sort of, ah, oh, damn, the word I'm looking for is, you know, sort of having the the fight going your way. And mm. I believe had that um, knockdown in the first round, which was ruled out, had been given as a knockdown, I believe we potentially may have gotten a different fight. Because mm. you know, one, that's a 10-8 round. And two, that's Katie Taylor quite far behind on the scorecards. And that's Katie Taylor coming out in the second round, completely approaching the fight differently. Mm. Um, the, sorry, the momentum. That's the word I was looking for. Yep. Great. That took a lot of momentum away from Chantel Cameron. And I've, I've look, I, I'll just go back to what I said before. I criticise Katie Taylor a lot because I do believe she's been given a lot of decisions in her way in the past. I don't take nothing away from her. I believe she's an incredible fighter and she's done she's done wonders for, for women's boxing. But I just feel as if the referee was was had an absolute stinker last night. You know, there was a lot of headbutting. There's a lot of hugging. But that knockdown in the first round, I would love for someone, right, involved in that fight to grab the, the referee, do an interview with him and ask him why it was ruled as a knockdown. Yeah, she's off balance. But if you look back at the punch, the punch lands perfectly. You know, she's not slipped. It's a clean punch. It's a knockdown. If that knockdown is given, we get a complete different fight. Now, we can turn around and, you know, praise Katie Taylor. We could say, mm. what's next for Chantel Cameron? The bottom line is, Ron, a 10-8 round in boxing is huge. And that mm. was taken away from Chantel Cameron last night. If I was Jamie Moore, Chantel Cameron right now, I'd be pissed. But I'm not. Katie Taylor won the fight. Massive congratulations to her. She fought a great fight. Chantel Cameron's an absolute warrior. What's next? I like the uh, the Amanda Serrano fight. I still believe there's a question mark hanging over the first fight. I've got that down as the greatest female fight of all time. I want to see that fight again. However, I would love to see a third fight with Chantel Cameron uh, at Croke Park or even somewhere here in England. Who knows what's going to happen? She's a global superstar. You know, she's a massive attraction around the UK. But I do think the third, the second fight with Amanda Serrano does great numbers. You bring that fight to Croke Park. You know, the Serranos are big hits over in the US. And everybody still talks about that first fight till this day. So I think that the, the best option is, is go for a Serrano rematch. But I wouldn't complain with a Chantel Cameron free fight. But I also have to look at it. She's 37 years old. She's been involved in great fights. How much more do you think is left in the gas tank, Ron, with Katie Taylor? I mean, what more has she got left to prove? You know, she's talking on the biggest... You know, kind of, I mean, how many titles has she won? You know, she's fought the best in her division. Uh, I mean, now she's kind of doing rematches or, you know, the, you know, she's doing a rerun of that Serrano fight. I mean, that was a great fight in itself as well. Could have gone either way. Then we've got the Chantel Cameron, 1-1 now. You know, do we go for the decider? 
What do you think? I mean, does she have what? What she? What left? Is she? You know, the, or does she fight? An, a, you know, a new up and coming fighter? No, 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 no. Maybe, like I said, no, you yeah. don't. You don't want to do that. I mean, who? Uh, who's no. it? Uh, Caroline Dubois was yeah. calling her out. So I was like, you don't want that. You know, like, I'm thinking. You know, they were they were discussing um, Katie Taylor perhaps meeting um, Clarissa Shields at a catchweight. We don't want to see that because there's only one winner in that fight. You know, Katie Taylor would absolutely have to kill herself just to go up to even get at a catchweight. catchweight. I mean, you look at Clarissa Shields' last fight was, you know, at uh, uh, middleweight. I can't see Katie Taylor making beyond 150. It's just, it would be too much. Not at this point in her career. No, not in she's this 37 not, years old. Yeah, right? 37. Um, she's done, she's had a remarkable career and something that's to be uh, celebrated. You know, that's um, women boxing that is headlining in Ireland. You know what I mean? That's that's a big deal. Uh, Amanda I mean, Serrano, two at Croke Park. That's the fight I want to see. Next question before we move on, Ron. Is she the greatest female fighter of all time? I'm going to simply say no. Because my quote is Clarissa Shields. Without a shadow of a doubt for me. And I think what separates the two, right? Mm. Is unf- <laughs> And this is going to sound harsh. Clarissa Shields never lost. She's done it multiple times in the amateurs. She's a free weight undisputed world champion. In my opinion, she nobody will ever achieve what she's achieved in, in women's mm. boxing. And that I'm not disrespecting Katie Taylor. I think she's had a phenomenal career. She's achieved so much. But Clarissa Shields for me is the greatest women fighter of all time. And Clarissa's got a lot. I mean, she's still quite young as well. She's still got a lot of time to achieve even more in the sport as well. Uh, but taking nothing away from Katie Taylor, I think she started off her journey in 2016. I think. Uh, there was a text message that was shared um, by Eddie Hearn. You know, she, she got in touch with text uh, Eddie Hearn and said... By Instagram, by Instagram, yeah. By Instagram, wasn't it? Uh, I read that. I was like, wow. You know, she was to kind of see herself in the future. She had been even happy with achieving half of that. But you look, you know, she's headlining, you know, uh, a sport dominated by males. So she's changed, you know, the face of women's boxing in the UK, definitely for certain... I mean, the sad thing with Clarissa Shields is, it you know she is American, but she makes. I mean, she doesn't sell as much in America like what Katie Daly does in the UK. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree, and because that's simply because the market for women's boxing isn't there. I mean, yeah. you look at you got Michaela Mayer who fights over regularly in the UK. You got Alicia Baumgartner who fights a lot in the UK from the US. You know, the the the, the promoters in uh, in America have not hit the women's boxing market. And uh, this is why we have to give credit to to Eddie Hearn. Um, I know Frank Warren's got a few female fighters, but, you know, I've got to give all the credit to Eddie Hearn. Ben Shalom's trying to do his best with the mm. Caroline Dubois and the, uh, you know, the, the Lauren Prices. And it's good, mm. but I just think Eddie Hearn has done wonders with female boxing. Um, you know, I think he's the man that kind of kicked that door down and took women's boxing to where it is now. I mean, you know, you look at the evolution of women's boxing, you know, we had a, we had, we've had what, I think that's three or four undisputed world title fights now. You had uh, Shields Marshall last year. Um, you've had uh, Shields French, sorry, uh, Savannah Marshall French Cruz Desern this year. And now mm. you've just had these two fights with Katie Taylor and Chantal Cameron. You know, we're lucky if we get a, an undisputed fight in the heavyweight division once or twice a year. I mean, I know we've had, uh, one, I believe, this year, Crawford Spence. 
know? Well, women's boxing uh, has been putting the men into, into shame, but I'm glad that's something that's being addressed now um, and we are seeing the best starting to fight the best. So, you know, credit to the women. They, But, you know, they, their differences, they've got a smaller pool of fighters, you know, high elite fighters. So that's why it's easier to make those fights. You know, what other fights are there for them to make that which they're not going to make anywhere near that amount of money. So long may it continue. I mean, I'd love to, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what the next five or 10 years brings us. Um, you know, what kind of numbers they're bringing in. Uh, yeah. So Last night um, in the US, I believe it was the last ever Showtime boxing event. Um, a massive shout out to Showtime. Uh, a phenomenal uh, broadcasting company for boxing over the years. You know, they had some great nights to look forward to. But I think they kind of saved one of the best uh, destructive and explosive performances that I've possibly ever seen. Um, because David Benavides last night did put on a destructive and an explosive performance by Demi by defeating Demetrius Andrade, um, you know, via stoppage. Uh, 26 years old. And I've got to say, this guy is an absolute wrecking machine and he's hungry. Kind of sound like a Mickey now in Rocky Free. But what a performance last night um, against Demetrius Andrade. You know, the fight itself, I think, the, you know, went six rounds. But I think, you know, four rounds Andrade won. I think, I believe he won maybe three of the six. And Andrade, I think, you know, before the fourth was brilliant. Um, you mm, know, yeah. you know like I can't fault him and he showed a tremendous heart, but... I think last night, right, we may be looking at the next big thing in boxing. And, you know, Mike Tyson's labelled this guy as the monster. And he, he was an absolute monster. And he was a beast last night. Um, David Benavides run, defeating Demetrius Andrade. You know, it was a fight that, you know, me and you talked about a few weeks ago. What did you make of Benavides' performance last night? And what do you think the future holds for Benavides? First thing I want to say, he's a problem, you know, and everyone in that division, he's explosive, you know, he's, if you look at him as a, as a fighter, he's tall, he's got those long arms, that wrong reach, and he punch, punches with intentions, you know, you can see uh, in the early rounds, yes, I agree with, you, with your assessment that Andrade was given a good account of himself, but it just seemed like, okay, all right, you know, I'm going to bide my time and get those shots in and they look like they really hurt just by watching that. And you've got to remember, Andrade is someone, A, who's never lost. Has he ever been dropped before, Andrade? No. You know, to do that first time. And Andrade is known for his defensive skills. So he's not the most exciting fighter to watch in bo world boxing. But to do that to him, that speaks volume about, you know, David Benavidez's, uh, you know, calibre, you know, what he represents. And, uh, I'm, and I'm sure you're going to talk about what next for him as well. Um, but he's a massive problem. So, you know, and I can't remember. I think Mayweather was kind of really speaking up about him and calling him that. Why is he not being mentioned in the pound for pound conversations? One of the things that I want to touch up on about mm -hmm. this fight and one of the most interesting facts about this fight had to be was Andrade's defence and his kind of awkward style. Um, you know, Andrade is a former two-weight world champion. He's a former Olympian. And when the fight got made, one of the questions I did say to myself was, how does Benavidez manage to break down Andrade? And boy, you've completely broken down last night. I know there's a few people uh, on social media that are turning around and saying, oh, but 
there was a low blow before the knockdown and that played a part. Listen, you know, if mm. you kind of watched that fourth round, yeah, there was a low blow. The referee stopped. Uh, he stopped the fight. He gave Andrade a bit of time to recover. But mm. if you look at that fight last night and you just watch it from round four onwards, it was going one way. Um, and this is why, you know, as you said, Benavidez is a problem. And he's a problem because if he's managing to break down a defense like Andrade's, who's a very good defensive counter fighter, he's going to be a problem for the rest of that division. You know, from round four onwards, it was just barrage, barrage punches after barrage mm. of punches. You know, the guy was steering him down. He was walking him down. He ate mm. a few shots, which is why I think, you know, if he was to fight a Canelo next, which we're going to talk about, defensively, he's got to be a bit better. I thought his footwork could do him a bit of improvement. But I believe the power's there. I believe the explosiveness is there. But I also believe in the hype now. And I do think right about now, this guy is, as you said, Ron, he's a problem for the division. Mm. Okay. I mean, that's something that's been, you know, you you touched on it, that he's the next fight for him uh, against Canelo. Canelo's called it out and said, yeah, I want that fight. Let's just wait and see what, how that turns out. Do you see him staying at that weight or do you see him kind of moving up to, I mean, potentially cruiserweight? I think that's what we're hearing as well. Well, you mean light heavyweight? There's talks of him going up. Yeah, sorry, my apologies. Yeah. No. Do you think, yeah. Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, right, he's a very tall fighter. I believe he's six foot four. So, mm. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was to go up to light heavyweight. But you mm. look at light heavyweight, right? You know, the two killers in that division better be Evan Bivol. I just think it would be too much for him right now. Um, going back on him staying at 168 pounds, you know, his last three wins, right, are against Demetrius Andrade, Caleb Plant, and David Lemieux, right? And they've all been brilliant performances. So I don't see the need to go up to 175 pounds yet because I believe, well and truly believe, he has to fight Canelo Alvarez next. Um, you know, Canelo Alvarez's last two performances against John Ryder and Jamel Charlo, you know, I don't think he was tested in those fights. But I do think that this David Benavidez guy will test him. He's 26 years old. And as I said, he's hungry. You know, he reminds me of a young Canelo. I remember Canelo at that age was just completely ferocious. You know, and I believe 26 years old is when Canelo knocked out Amir Khan. I just looked at this guy last night and I just thought to myself, you know, we've got the future of the 168-pound division right now. You know, because... Like I said, he's beaten Andrade, he's beaten Caleb Plant, he's beaten David Lemieux. I believe he wipes the floor with both Charlo brothers. There's no point in fighting Billy Joe Saunders because he's been at the ring for two years. There is another fight I like. Now, I like the fight with him and Chris Hubert Jr. Because I believe that's just an absolute barn fest. I really, really like that fight. But then you have to ask yourself, is Hubert Jr. tied in with Conor Ben right now? Does he want to move up to 168 pounds? But I think, you know, if you're playing devil's advocate here, Ron, you have to look at the option of Canelo Alvarez. And I do believe now is the best time for him to fight Canelo Alvarez. Where where do you sort of stand with him fighting Canelo Alvarez? And why do you think that that fight's not happened? Given the fact that Canelo's ruled 168-pound division now for almost, what is it, two years, and every time Benavidez has had a test put in front of him, he's made light work of it. We, we don't know the intricacies of why these fights don't happen. And, you know, there was rumours that people, Canelo was avoiding the Charlos and, you know, I mean, he's put that to bed. So I don't, I don't buy that, that, you know, 
you know, Canelo is ducking anyone. So if he's calling out that after that, you know, he made a video, I think he published a video on his one of his social accounts. Hopefully that happens. I mean, I can't answer that question of why why that's not happened, but you know, the different trajectories, different, you know, the people are going in different kind of routes, you know, uh, since then. So there's no excuse why that can't happen, I reckon. So that hopefully that we see that next. Well, listen, I hope we get to see it next. I think that's mm. the fight to make at 168 pounds. I believe Canelo takes that fight. If he wins that fight, then he goes after Bivol. Um, I also believe if Benavidez takes that fight, that fight doesn't get made. I think he'll beat Canelo. I, I just think Canelo's on the he's on the de decline. Don't get me wrong, probably one of the greatest fighters of our generation, but I've not been impressed with Canelo for a very long time. Um, is that because he's been going up and down in weight, or is that because, apart from Bivol, no one's really had an answer for him? You know, I, I still get a lot of stick for saying this, but I even think Billy Joe Saunders gave him a, a good fight. After the Billy Joe Saunders fight, you know, he, he got he beat Caleb Plant. You know, he got caught out against Bivol. And then the fights after that, I believe, has been what um, Golovkin, which I don't, I think was a was a pointless fight, the third fight, and then obviously the wins over John Ryder and um, Jamel Charlo. So yeah, I think Benavidez potentially gets him at the right time, and I think Benavidez beats him. Um, we talk about the Charlos. One of them returned night after returned last night after almost thirteen months out of the ring. Uh, Jamal Charlo returned last night and landed a points decision victory. Over Jose Benavidez, um, 33 years old now, Jamal, Jamal Charlo, 33 and 0, um, you know, two weight world champion. But to not fight in 30 months, I mean, I know there's been a few issues out of the ring. There was talks of him potentially fighting Canelo before he fought John Ryder. But Ron, um, I think boxing only benefits from Jamal, Jamal Charlo returning last night. Been long overdue, hasn't it? Um, almost what two years out of the ring? Is it longer? Uh, he's had a, various kind of issues with mental health um, that's kept him out of the ring. So good to see him back. Um, it wasn't one of his kind of performances that we're going to remember him for, and that's to be expected. You know, with that ring rust. Uh, firstly, you know, he didn't even make weight, so you know his pro. Uh, First bid was, you know, whatever he uh, was going to get out of the fight, that was significantly cut. So I think it was just like, let's just get in the ring uh, and see, let's just see, you know, be in that arena again and kind of get that feeling again. His title wasn't on the line, but, um, well, I think that's a tick box for him. You know, it was a good opposition that he was up against with Jose Benavidez. Uh, so... Did we learn much? No, but you know, at least we know that Jamal Charlo is a contender in that division. You know, he's someone. Well, we, you know, he's a he's you know he's an undefeated fighter. You know, he's he's a work, operating at a world level. So it's good to see him back in the conversations again in that division. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Look, I mean, you know, in my opinion, right? I mean, Jamal Jamel's a former undisputed world champion, and Jamal's a former two weight world champion. But having said that, right, I believe that these guys, they've got so much more to offer offer to boxing. Um, you know, 30 months out of the ring is no joke. Um, but, you know, you've got to 
look at the positives. And I know a lot of people have sort of slated him for not making weight. But I think the positives have to be, look, he's been at the ring for 30 months. He's come back. He's got a points decision victory. You know, I believe he landed 40% of his punches. He's got 10 rounds under his belt. Um, but I also don't believe in him waiting around now. I think now you have to put him in with the best fighters at 168 pounds. Um, I don't think Canelo's the right answer. I think a Caleb Plant's a good fight for him. I think Andrade's a good fight for him. You know, and he's got to stay active. He's got to stay busy. And I believe his younger brother... Any... Sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Any British fighters you'd put in that conversation with him? Listen, like I said right now, Eubank Jr. is probably the only one that's capable of fighting at this level, along with mm. Billy Joe Saunders. And we'll know more about Billy Joe Saunders when he sort of returns, hopefully at the end of the year or whenever he's returning. But right now, if you're looking at world elite level, um, you know, Eubank Jr. has to be considered for these fights. These are the only fights that's out there for him, that and the Conor Ben fight. Um I, I I don't I can't see him fighting with Eubank. I just think next for Charlo has to be, you know, it has to be one of the big boys at 168 pounds, and that's Canelo, that's uh, Benavidez, Andrade, you know, Caleb Plant. You know, we, he's, he had a bit of a rocket for Caleb Plant a few months ago, if you remember. So you know, that's a good fight to make. They're both coming off of Caleb Plant, sort of on the rebuilding phase of his career after two defeats. Mm. And Charlo needs to stay busy. And the winner of that fight, they go back into the mix. So I know obviously there was a lot of talk about mental health issues and, you know, there was issues, he's had issues with his brother. But you know, I do hope for his sake and for his career's sake that he's going to be a lot more active in 2024 and he does get those career-defining fights. I mean, you think about it, for a guy that's 33 years old and, has not been in the fight where majority of the boxing world are talking about. Is it a I'm marketing shocked. problem? Is it a marketing I'm problem? I'm shocked that he's, you know, like you've mentioned those, how long he's been inactive for. He kept his belts. Well, that's the problem with boxing, isn't it? Listen, you know, the there's going to be a tough point. I, yeah. The WBC are just absolutely, they're, they're rats. They're rats. You know, their fighters keep their belts for way too long. I, I don't even want to talk about it, Ron. Don't fight. even want to talk yeah. about it. Um, another pod, another day, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Ron, what do you do next with Jamal Charlo then? Um, but more importantly, how do we keep Jamal Charlo active and how do we get the best out of him? It'd be interesting to see who he fights next. Uh, you know, he's just come off a, a very long layoff. I mean, we've got a few British-level kind of British fighters that, you know, who would love to kind of get in the ring with him. Um but I think Jamal Charlo will probably take a a few easier fights to kind of get in now, uh, you know, kind of get, to kind of uh, get himself back to kind of speed, you know, to the level that he was at before. What do you think? Well, I mean, he's thirty-three years old now. Um, mm. You know, he's 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 one, he's a two-weight world champion. I mean, what's left to achieve? Obviously, the main aim for most fighters these days is. You know, financially, they want to secure themselves, but they've also got to leave some sort of legacy behind. I think the best option, I agree, another maybe another sort of like a, a fight to sort of, you know, get rounds under his belt. But I think in the summer of 2024, he's got to be looking at the Canelos and, you know, the, the, the David Benavides is, you know. It's good to see that the, the 168-pound division has got sort of like 
new hunters around the division. I mean, I know. What about Billy Joe? I mean, let's do some matchmaking. What about Billy Joe Saunders? I mean, I, I love Billy Joe Saunders versus uh, Jamal Charlo. Similar. I mean, they've been out inactive and out of the ring. Billy Joe Saunders is probably going to have a fight. I hope soon. Mm-hmm. Then you got a summer fight. Get bring him over, and Billy Joe Saunders is back in a for a title, world title potentially. But we 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 saw last night what's left in Jamal Charlo, and I do think there is something left. You know, however, mm-hmm. we need to remember Billy Joe Saunders sort of moved himself away from boxing after a heavy defeat to Canelo. So the interesting thing about Billy Joe's return is we're going to know what's left, whether there is anything left or whether there's nothing left. So, listen, Charlo, Billy Joe Saunders, yeah, I'd be a fan of it. But we've also got to see what what else Billy Joe has left to offer. I'm interested to see, sorry, I know this is slightly off topic, but what weight Billy Joe Saunders comes back at? It's interesting because, you know, I mean, 2021 was the fight against Canelo. I think it's suicidal to stay at 168 pounds. That fight was at 168 pounds. You know, I'd like to see him go up to 175, go up to light heavyweight, you know, join the Callum Smiths and the Anthony Yards and the Lyndon Arthurs, the Watsies, the Azizes and the Bivols and the Better BFs, you know, make that light heavyweight division even more exciting. Um, but we, we don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Billy Joe Saunders, you know, because, you know, I'm a massive Billy Joe Saunders fan. Um, I, I honestly believe Billy schools a lot of these fighters. I really do. You know, he's, I, got, he's, he's a very skillful he's operator. He's brilliant. You know, when yeah. I, I, I love watching Billy Joe Saunders fight. Um, mm. And I honestly don't think he did bad against Canelo. I thought he performed really well. It's just that, like I said, Canelo at that time was the elite level. Billy Joe Saunders just under, you know, underneath it. It took one shot. That was it. Um, Billy yeah. Joe Saunders. I mean, it, the build-up was great, you know, yeah. as you expect. Um, the verbal kind of attacking him, but leading up to the fight. Uh, I think. You know, Look, just... Where would you, you? It's all good asking me the question, but where do you think Billy Joe's future is at? Where do you think his his next weight is? And let's say he does come back, he has a fight in I don't know December. He puts on a good performance. What would you like to see him do next? That's if anything is left in the tank. I think the real question is: is how? I mean, we don't know if Billy Joe Saunders is in the gym. Is he training? Is he active? You know, has he blown up in weight? This is what tends to happen, isn't it? You know, when you're out of the ring for so long, but you cannot knock him for his skills. You know, his boxing IQ wasn't known for his power knocking. You know opponents have but that might translate really well at a higher you know if he was to operate at a higher level you know higher weight division so it really depends on him is he is he got the um you know has he got the the drive to you know kind of to fight back at 168 again uh, but you know there's it's, potential it's, fights against the charlo that he could fight it's good that you brought it up because I watched a podcast of Billy Joe Saunders the other day and he did speak about a comeback. Um, but he also said he's also into managing now. He manages a guy called uh, Lewis Edmondson, who I've interviewed at a fight week in Bournemouth. And I remember I uploaded the fight and Billy Joe Saunders was kind enough to see that we tagged uh, his fighter in and he followed us straight away on Instagram. So massive shout out to that, Billy. But I watched the podcast the other day with Billy Joe Saunders and he, he said something along the lines of like, I'm a two-weight world champion. 
And if I can manage a fighter to a, to a world champion, I don't think that's a bad career. So there was no talks of um, becoming a free weight world champion or a three-time world champion. But I do think he will fight again. And I think it's just to see what's left in the tank. You know, because, listen, you know, I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I really do. I, You know, I believe he beats Eubank again. I believe he beats Caleb Plant. Possibly beats Jamal Charlo. After seeing Benavidez last time. But I don't think nobody beats Benavidez right now. He beats a lot of these fighters. You know, even these light heavyweights he beats. Because his boxing guy, he's brilliant. You know, his footwork mm. is good. His movement is good, you know. I always said he reminded me of... Uh, of Tyson Fury, you know, mm. they both boxed very, very similar to each other. So it's going to be interesting. Um, Ron, I know we've constantly spoken about the, the day of reckoning on the December 23rd, but the, the million dollar question to that card was always, where's it going to be broadcasted? Is it going to be on the zone? Is it going to be on Queensbury? You know, is it, I don't know, could be anywhere, but it is going to be broadcasted. And I'll do an Eddie Hernia live and exclusive, exclusively on the zone. Um, it's going to cost uh, UK viewers twenty pound or nineteen ninety nine over in the US thirty nine ninety nine US dollars. Um, were you surprised that the Saudis and uh, Turkey Al Sheikh have gone with the zone to broadcast the show? I'm not surprised at all. I think it's just about whatever platform is best that they could, you know broadcast it to as many viewers as possible it's you know we, we we've spoken very in a lot of detail about the lineup you know we want they want people to be watching this they want people to be you know purchasing the uh the pay-per-view so yeah i mean it doesn't really bother me you know as long as i get to watch the, the event uh i think they'll both do a good job of it what do you think you have, did you have a preference of, with who you wanted them to go with? Uh, you know what? I couldn't care less because I'm not paying for it because I've got my dodgy box. Um, <laughs> speaking going, of going the zone, okay. I mean, this is something, uh, I mean, there was a special well person there that we haven't seen on our screens. I don't know if you were going to mention this. Adam Smith. Now, wow. What, I mean, he's, I mean, uh, you know, he's coming back from kind of, battling cancer so you know credit you know all the best for him you know for his for his future um i mean hopefully he's cancer free and um you know all good best uh best of health from us but what a fight you know what an event for him you know he's got that iconic voice hasn't he mm -hmm. that would make it a lot more appealing for me to for, for him for me to know that adam smith is going to be like you know commenting on that, you know, kind of being that, like, oh, I mean, I'm just jumping the gun here, but I'd love, you know, I haven't seen him for years, you know, all of a sudden he comes out. Um, yeah, he was there um, Katie yeah, Taylor. I, so. I, I agree. I agree. And uh, firstly, I, I, I agree with what everything you just said. I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's healthy. I'm glad to hear mm. that he's cancer free. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. And mm. I'm also happy to see him back at boxing events because he is the, the voice of boxing. I don't care what mm. he says. A uh, phenomenal commentator, phenomenal asset to boxing, um, and a, a, a truly a wonderful man. And I'm, I'm privileged to have spoken. Yeah, to you have. On yeah, many yeah. occasions. Um, look, right. I think all the broadcasters out there, they lack an Adam Smith, and this is no disrespect to everybody. I was quite critical last week in podcast sixty six of the 
his own uh, broadcast team of when they slated Daniel Dubois. I was quite, quite critical of them over a few things, but there's rumours circulating around social media. Adam Smith is going back to the zone. Um, I believe he was the former head of um, head of. Com- he he had a massive part to play in Sky Sports, but there are a lot of rumours that he is going back to the zone. I I can't see it happening because of his uh, look. If you look back at Sky Sports, the history of Sky Sports, the guy was there from all the way back to when Nazim Hamid fought Kevin Kelly at in New York. This is how backwards you have to go with. Um, Adam Smith and Sky Sports he's been there since the very beginning even when Frank yeah. Warren was there with Sky Sports so I don't think he's going to go to the zone I think he's going to stay committed to Sky Sports even though if he doesn't go back to Sky Sports it's kind of like you being a Man United it's kind of like you being a Liverpool player you're coming towards the end of your career why mm. would you want to go to Man United do you know what I mean right. mm. yeah so anyway look um, I'm, I'm happy to see him back I would love to see him back in commentary but I think obviously He's, he's, he's taken quite a bit of time out of boxing, and rightfully so. And I think the biggest uh, positive in everything is he is he's healthy, he's cancer-free. You know, you and I have had a lot of history with cancer in our family. We know how much mm. toll it takes on families. But listen, if it's for one night only on December 23rd, it makes the card even more exciting. Mm. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I... Uh... Do you know Iconic what I love voice. about Adam Smith? Yeah, I mean, right? he, Do you know what I love yeah. about Adam Smith? Every time you see him, you go up and he's like, hello, how are you? He's always got that face about him. He's, yeah. he's a wonderful guy, but yeah. That's <laughs> one of the interviews I I was envious that I wasn't there when you did with him. You know, I, I could have sat there for ages kind of just listening to him. You know, he's, he's you know, what he's experienced in, in, this, in the industry. You're saying, you know, when we probably got into boxing you know the Nazi Mohammed days in the you know, in the 90s and he, he's been doing it since then so it's only the last few I think he's been out for about a year it's been over a year now he's, a year, he's yeah. yeah so well good to good to see him back and uh we'll we'll watch his space as to where we will hear that voice or maybe he's just being a fan maybe he'll just turn up to boxing events mm-hmm. you know you never know and just be like like he was there that night you know uh, and he was just in supporting his friend or Katie Taylor I think you know he he had some lovely touching words to what he said to her after her performance and he speaks very highly of her let's talk a bit about uh, December 23rd the co- the, uh, mm-hmm. the zone broadcast the actual uh, event um I like I said I'm not bothered about the money cuz you know, we know how the world works these days with streaming and stuff. But I, it, that, I mean, I know you said you weren't really bothered, but I think, I don't know, maybe Eddie Hearn's probably got a bit of a chip on his shoulder that it's going to be broadcasted. I don't know, but the bottom line is all promoters are working together. Well, let's just hope it's not Dev Sani that's asking AJ <laughs> on the night. That's all I'm saying, man. I mean, either you know, Dev Sani's going to go home in a box or something. From I mean, uh, that's all I've got to say, right? I mean, let's just hope it's a, a the zone representative that's got a microphone held and uh, and it's not matchmaking for uh, AJ. Yeah. And I think, look, you, I mean, no, dis- no disrespect to Queensbury or any other promo- promotional company out there, but, I mean, it's all about, it's a numbers game, right, boxing? And I think you're going to go where most of the numbers are. And no disrespect to Queensbury, they put, they put on good shows. But I, I, I always believed that the zone was going to get the sort of bigger piece of the pie here. Yeah, I mean, look, whenever I've watched BT, uh, what, TNT now, you know, they, they always give a good broad, broadcast, you know, it's, it's well well-packaged programme on the night, uh, good commentators, good analysts, 
So you just want a really all, overall good package. Uh, I mean, and then you've got the Saudis that will take care of the rest. Well, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's what, mm. I believe it's six weeks now? Or no, mm. sorry, less than a month. My bad. Less than a month. What's the well, today we're 26. Yeah, less than a month. You're right. Yeah, less than a month. So, so yeah. Definitely a month. It's definitely a countdown we're all looking forward to. Uh, Ron, my man, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, just one last topic. I mean, what do you make? Um, oh, I don't know. I've, I've just been listening to a lot of talk sport and uh, the with the Tyson Furies camp and Adam Catrell and their views. And I uh, just wanted to get your take on that. What, what, what's your what, what, what you made of it all? And I've been listening to it all. And I heard Simon Jordan kind of talking to, uh, you know, you know, uh, Frank Warren the other day and, uh, you know, what Frank Warren had to say, you know, about the comments of warm, warm lager. lager. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, wanted to take, yeah, I mean, I, I know, no, no, I want to no, get your fine. thoughts. That's fine. Um, look, these guys all have a job to do, right? Mm. But they're also entitled to their opinion. Now, Tyson Fury is constantly in the front pages is always in you know the headlines and nobody allowed to criticism Tyson Fury is nobody allowed to criticize him I didn't know we weren't allowed to um is nobody allowed to criticize his matchmaking is uh, nobody allowed to have an opinion on who he fights I look you know the, the way I see it is right and you know Ron I'm a big Fury fan yeah I'm his, my favorite fighter He's been, he gets a lot more criticism than praise. That's the way I see it. But at the same time, look, you know, there's always been a bit of an agenda against him. But you know, I, I looked at a comment right on that video, okay? Right? Someone wrote a comment on that video, yeah? They said, so Fury can claim that he's an ambassador of mental health and that he suffered with mental health. Yet he goes around during press conferences swearing and He's effing and blinding and his family act a certain way, you know. In this day and age, you've got to take criticism. That's just how the world works, you know. And I think Adam Catterall, right, Simon Jordan praised him of how good he is when it comes to, um, you know, combat sports. He is a genius when it comes to yeah. uh, podcasting and interviewing him. And I've spoken to him loads of times before. You know, but the guy's entitled to his opinion. And listen, you're, everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, you're going to get criticised whether you do good or whether you do bad. That's just the way the world works. You're not going to please everybody. However, Frank Warren also has a right to ask him why he said so-and-so about Tyson Fury. So, you know, they're not covering any more Tyson Fury's fights. But I do think what, yeah. what would be interesting is if Tyson Fury was going to talk sport. I would love to see that showdown with him and the rest of the talk sport team. But the way, if you ask me what my opinion on it is, it's just how the way works. It's just how the work, the way the world works. Mm. Everyone's entitled to opinion. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, it's just obviously it's a shame. I mean, I listen to talk sport radio on my way to work, and really enjoy their takes. And they've got some, you know, I, I love Adam Catrell. I think he, he's one of my favourite uh, sports. Uh, box. I mean, he does boxing as well as other sports as well. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, you know, I listened to his talks, and I, there was a eleven-minute monologue that he did in regards to the whole Tyson Fury, and you know, he raised some questions. I think they were all legitimate. There was no sort of kind of agenda, no sort of kind of biasness. He just 
these were the questions and these are the things that they were questioning about Tyson and his team on mm-hmm. about their not you know not fighting Usyk and you know all that shenanigans and I thought it was ridiculous of them to kind of not allow them to ban them from the the Saudi card you know when it was or or where and whenever it was announced so that was a shame we missed out on that and I no, 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 and I find and I like sorry uh, and I like um, Simon Jordan you know how yeah. he doesn't cut you know there's no bullshit with him mm-hmm. he he will go straight to the point and he will you know he doesn't care whoever is in front of him you know I'm listening to what he was saying to Frank Warren you know he put did you see that awkward interview where Frank Warren and Adam Catterall I mean yes, they they yes. both took, yeah I've seen it I, imagine you were Adam Catterall you know like it's a very difficult situation and I really thought yeah you can't really fire back at that point because if you kind of it's like you kind of digging into a wound even more that you know you're going to cut all your ties off with Queensbury, which is obviously a massive promotional company in the UK, and you know it's got some the biggest fighters. So they kind of they don't want to deteriorate that relationship further. So what, what did you what do you think? I mean, what would you have done in that situation if you were Adam Catterall? I would have spoke up. I would have spoke for what I believed in. You know, like I said, it's a matter of opinion. I go back to that comment I read on YouTube. You know, uh, someone said that oh, Tyson Fury claims he suffered mental health. He goes around swearing at people. Yeah. You know, he's he's been um, involved in, you know, um, there's been things said about him in the, in the newspapers about he's had certain mm. opinions on people's homosexuality and, you know, and then people are saying, but then he's an ambassador for mental health. And when somebody has an opinion about him, he doesn't like it. You know, I mean, you know, I, I believe in one of his interviews, he, he turned around and said, I couldn't care less what people are saying, but then you're not allowing, allowing those same people to come and cover your fight. So, yeah, I think it's a bit salty. But you know, I do believe a, a showdown between Simon Jordan and Tyson, and Tyson Fury would be really entertaining. I mean, I've watched the, the first ever showdown between Simon Jordan and Eddie Hearn countless times on YouTube. Uh, but I, the way I see it is, again, I'll go back to everyone. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, you know. Let people have an opinion. If you don't like their opinion, speak up about it. Don't just sort of, like, you know, relinquish them. You know, and oh well, that's it. You're not coming my fights anymore. But look, we all know Talk Sports is one of the biggest sporting platforms out there. They cover pretty mm-hmm. much every fight. You know, and their content is, you know, it's is is brilliant. I'm a huge fan of Talk Sport. You know, they, they're gonna say it as it is. You know, they've been going strong for nearly 12, 13 years now, and some of the stuff that does get said on there can be harsh at times. But it's their platform. You know, it's their platform. They're allowed to voice their opinion. And Adam Catterall, I don't think he did anything wrong, but I don't think Frank Warren did anything wrong. But you've you just got to be... Tyson Fury, this is coming from a, a big fan of his, you've got to take a bit of criticism sometimes. Yeah, mm. this, is a, this is a sport where hundreds of millions are watching you. Just take a bit of criticism. You know, there's no harm in it. It's, it's, it's what these guys are in work for. One. That's the way I see it. Yep. Anything else you want to add, Ron? No. Um, so for the next few weeks, you know, we've been very busy boxing wise, haven't we? We've had fights on the last week weekend, so it's something to look forward to. Um, uh, I think we need a little bit of a breather until you know we've got the day of reckoning upon us. Well, no, we're not gonna have no breathers because we're doing this every once a week. We've got Garcia versus Duarte coming up, we've got Regis, uh, 
Uh, oh, yes, Haney oh, and... Yeah, Haney. Yeah, breaks no more now, yeah? You wanted to start podcasting back... I'm home. thinking of the British scene. That's what I meant. Oh, yes, okay. okay. <laughs> the British scene's taking a break. I think... No problem. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, we don't we don't hear as much about the American scene unless you really are digging into it, I think. But in the British scene, which has been really busy, some really good shows that we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, so, you know... Let's see what the Americans can produce. I mean, you know, hopefully the pro gray and which I'm sure which we're going to talk about and Haney fight. That's going to be good. The face off was face off was quite entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both really, you know, promising fighters. So let's see. We Hopefully we see some fireworks and knockdowns. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, fingers crossed. It does uh, turn out to be the fight that we're all expecting. And like I said, uh, December 23rd, baby great card to look forward to and mm. you know a good way to end the year um that is all we've got time for today on the lights out boxing podcast uh, again before we bring the pod to an end i just want to remind all the viewers out there if you haven't already to make sure you hit the subscribe button and turn on the bell for more lights out boxing content uh give us a follow on all of our social media platforms and check out our sponsors uh the one and only spartans law again all the links are below in the description Ron, my man, thank you very much for your time. An absolute pleasure as always. The face of Lights Out, the number one guy of Lights Out, the man of Lights Out, you know, um, who's, who's on a great monthly salary. You know, um, I could barely afford to pay my own mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yeah, I'll pay yours. But, Ron, nah, appreciate you coming on. And, guys, once again, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for listening to Podcast 67 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. Thank you.